Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Today is Thursday, December 5th, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 70, 73, the third paragraph that begins with, Psychologists are inclined, and we'll be reading just one paragraph. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, we have Phyllis D., for the 12 Traditions, Christina J., and the readers of the text will be Erin I., Lauren N., and Nadia B. The newcomer greeter, which will happen about 10 minutes or 5 minutes before the hour, is Elena A.M., and the host for our second hour is Jody. The reference numbers for the for yesterday, which was Wednesday, December 4th, are 7 a.m. yesterday, Eastern Time, 13,751. That's 13751. And for the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday, the reference number is 13,757, 13757. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I am now going to ask... Excuse me, Phyllis D. to read the 12 steps for us. Hi there, Phyllis. Oops, 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 sorry. There you are. I am. Uh, Good morning, Penny and everyone. Um, The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 
six were entirely ready to have God remove these, all of these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you, Phyllis D. Now I'm going to ask Christina J. Would you read the 12 traditions for us? Yes. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, everyone. This is Christina J. from the state of Washington, and I'm recovered here. Um, the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is, one, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to be of service, and I pass. Thank you, Christina J. And now here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. 
Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to remute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 73. We're on the third paragraph in the chapter, Into Action, and the paragraph begins with, Psychologists are inclined, um, etc. And today we're going to ask for our first reader will be Erin I. Erin, will you read that paragraph for us, please? Erin, we can't hear you. Sorry, I was talking to myself. This is Erin I, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in upstate New York. And here is the paragraph. Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. We have spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We knew but few instances where we have given these doctors a fair break. We have seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. Unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. Small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. And um, we, we already have examples from earlier in the big book of the early AA people and how they tried to recover, and there was someone who had all the money in the world and was sent to the world's leading psychologist, And even though he got sober, as soon as he returned home, he was drunk. Um, So we already have an example from the big book. And an example from my life is um, I saw a psychologist as I was growing up. Every couple of years, um, the depression would get bad enough. My parents would send me to a psychologist or I'd send myself when I was an adult. And and I always, you know, I was trying to deal with the depression. But while I was in the food, I was always stuffing down the feelings. And so even though I wasn't trying to not be honest, I was never able to be completely honest because I was never able to completely look at my feelings. It was too painful to look at my feelings. So the only time that I really um, used my psychologist well is after I was already in OA and I had already made an attempt at the steps, wasn't abstinent working the steps, and, but I already had a lot of the principles from OA in my brain, and I was able to tell my psychologist about the program and, and be honest that I wanted help with my compulsive overeating, not just I'm here for depression. I want help with my eating. i got to figure this part out. And, and then I was actually able to use my psychologist to really help me take an effective step one. You know, she, she allowed me to explain to her exactly into complete detail the physical and emotional symptoms of exactly what being in the food felt like. And and I hit a new rock bottom when I was with her, but it was a safe place for me to hit that rock bottom. And that just launched me into the effort to find a new sponsor, to try the program in a different way, working it while being abstinent before working the steps. And it's led to a really strong recovery. So that's what I have to say about psychologists, and I'll pass. Thank you, Erin. And now I'm going to be able to take some names who would like to share on this paragraph. If you haven't shared within the last couple of days and would like to do that, I'd be happy to take your name. Please trust that I'm going to do my very best.
to hear everyone who would like to share. So who would like to do that? Kim J. Kim. Lauren Hi, good morning. This is, this is Victoria L. I'd like to share. Okay, hold on a minute. Someone between Kim and Maura. Who is that? Lauren N. Lauren N. Okay, Lauren. And Victoria L. And I've got Victoria. Who's after Lauren? Teresa P. Lou B. Liz? Lou. L-O-U. L-I-U? L-O-U. L-O-U. Lou. Okay, thank you. All right, I'm going to stop with that. And here's the lineup I have. I have Kim G, Lauren N, Maura Z, Victoria L, Teresa P, and Lou. I missed the lot. I missed your initial. So let's go and start with Kim G. Good morning, Kim. Hey, Kim, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Penny. Sorry, I got I got muted. Um, I want to say too, I'm, I'm this is Kim G, and I'm I'm so grateful to hear a new voice stepping up to read the big book. Thank you for uh, newly recovered people doing that. Um, so psychologists are inclined to agree with us. You know, I am so grateful for the people in program that told me the truth versus worrying about my feelings. You know, we talked the last couple of days about this double life, and I'm I wore many masks and. I feel like we often are very good at manipulating psychiatrists. You know, I'm personally very good about talking about the 90% that's irrelevant to cover up the 10% that is irrelevant. And that's why it's so essential we have another compulsive overeater. They've been there. They've done that. They can see through our BS. You know, I remember I, I, I saw a guy I went to high school with um, like a dozen years after high school, and I was shocked to find out he was a teacher because I did all his homework for him in high school. And when I asked him about it, he goes, Kim, think about this. There's nothing those kids can do that I haven't tried myself. I get them. And I thought, wow, this guy probably is a really great teacher just for that reason. That's why one compulsive overeater can affect another compulsive overeater in that way. You know, often psychology, the purpose is understanding. You know, I remember I sponsored a girl years and years and years ago that was gang raped. And every three weeks she had a, she had a support group and every three weeks she binged because all she did was relive the rape. You know, the 12 steps aren't about information. It's about transformation. You know, we talked about the sprees the other day. You know, I haven't had a food spree in nine years. Why do I need the steps? Because I've had fear sprees. I've had resentment sprees. And that leads me to restless, irritable discontent. If I don't short circuit that with the steps, and if I get restless and irritable discontent, that's what leads me to eat. You know, and why isn't there one 12-step program? Come on, we all have the same problem, right? One 12-step program is over 200. Why? Because the difference between each is step one, what I'm powerless over, and step 12, who I carry the message to. I attend AA meetings, but I am a member of OA because I have this addiction. I am not an alcoholic. And just to kind of go ahead, but the greatest honor I get as a recovered person is to take someone else's fifth step. And what I have learned is those promises we're going to learn in a couple, a couple pages, you don't just get them when you, when you give a fifth step. You get them when you take a fifth step. I get to experience those promises throughout the book every time I take someone through this book. And we need more people on the sales force. 
So I want to encourage everyone, do this work. Recover and then help others, and you too can experience the promises in this book. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And next we have Lauren N. Good morning. This is Lauren N. from New York. Can you hear me? I sure can. Go ahead, Lauren. Thank you, Penny. Uh, Thank you all for being here every day. Wow. Uh, 19 years of, of analysis is what I did to get here. Honestly, I couldn't have gotten here without it. I was mentally ill and I didn't know it. This mental illness licked my butt, had me with suicidal thoughts all the time, did not think I would make it past 41 when my mother died, at the age that my mother died. At 38, I went into analysis four days a week, was there for 19 years. At the end, I was only twice a week, but boy, it was a long haul. But she couldn't help me with food. I couldn't have gotten here without it. I believe, maybe I'm wrong, but I got here. And the honesty that I developed in therapy is what helped me get to the point where I was willing to give up the food and get recovered. I'm not going back to therapy because it's all about the past. It's not about the present and the future or the present. But what I've learned in this program is that I need to stay in the present at all times. And when I stay in the present, I am totally happy, joyous, and free because I know where I need to be in service. This disease had licked my butt. And it's only with the message that another fellow has carried to me that I was able to get recovered and stay recovered. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, all. Thank you, Lauren N. And then we have Maura Z. Maura, you're up. Maura Z. Hey, Penny, it's Maura Z. And I thank you, but I did not put my name out there this morning. Somebody that sounded like Maura Z. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a twin. So um, if we don't have Maura Z, then let's go on to the next person. And I have. Um, Teresa P., are you there? Yes, this is Teresa P. Oh, good. Okay, well, hi, I'm Teresa P., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and so grateful for this meeting because uh, on this meeting, I get to hear me come out of your mouth, your voice, and it's disclosure. And that's how I learn about myself because... Uh, I disconnected early. I didn't even realize I had disconnected from life and everything early. 
because when you know you're disconnected you don't know it was my world and uh, I wouldn't I you know I did get I always had this disease from as far back as I can remember and I always had difficulty going to to the doctor and trying to get help uh, because I couldn't tell the truth about myself because I didn't know it and I thought that doctors were supposed to know what was wrong with me. You know, you go to the doctor and, you know, they tell you what's wrong with you and then they fix it. And I didn't realize that I had to tell the doctor what my problem was. And and I couldn't do that. I remember going to the doctor just before I got in a program and they gave me this little test. I was taking this little test. I said, oh, this sounds like they think I might be depressed. Well, I can't be that. So I lied on the test. Now, how in the world am I ever going to get help from, you know, a doctor if I'm lying about what I'm doing? And the good news is, is, you know, God is my, you know, primary care physician, and he knows me better than anyone else. So I did lie on that test, and not too long from that, I had a, you know, a breakdown. I, my mind actually left my hands. It was a very terrifying experience, and I went to get help. They did not accept me at the mental hospital, which I still think is hilarious, However, it got me to program, and this is where I needed to be. I needed to be in program because you are my people. You understand me. And it's where I first could re- start relating to people, and especially in um, Overeaters Anonymous. I needed to be here because, you know, I tried for years and years to put the food down and pray to God and all these things, and, you know, and gee, you know, I... Suicide was an option, and uh, and I was so miserable. And today, I have a way of living that works in all conditions. I can feel these feelings, and it's and it's been a gradual process. Uh, it's been taken years, and and that's okay. And today, what I get to do is be a service and take it to others. And today I can see their struggles. I want to just like open their little heads up and pour it in. And it doesn't work like that. What I get to do is, you know, I just get to be of service, be there. And a great joy for me is, you know, working with sponsors and going through the steps because it truly is a renewal for me every time. It doesn't seem to matter how many times I read or hear the big book. I still need to hear it. This is where my recovery is. This is where my sanity is. This is where I I get to tap into uh, my loving God who gives me a life beyond my wildest dreams. And it's not always comfortable. And I don't always like it. Liking is not required. Feeling comfortable is not required. I thought they were. Victoria, it's time. And thank you for letting me share Okay, thank you. And next we're going to have um, Victoria R. I think that was Teresa P. I'm mixed up. I'm sorry. Hi, good morning. This is Victoria L. in Muncie, Indiana. And, thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your service and being here, um, supporting everyone on the phone this morning. Um, you know, I've been around food programs. Fe- February will be eight years of continuous relapse and today by the grace of God I have 37 days and the reason I have 37 days today is because 
I have a sponsor who's helping me go through the big book in a way that I never have been taken through the big book before. And she's mixing taking me through the big book with all the amazing podcasts of the recovered people that have gone before me and have had the spiritual experience or the spiritual awakening happen to them. Uh, See, I'm a smart girl, but I'm not that smart because all these years I've sort of got the program intellectually. I understand it in my mind, um, but I've never fully taken the program down into my heart until now. And, um, and I can feel the spiritual awakening starting to happen for me. And, you know, in 2017, I went into intensive outpatient treatment for four months, three or four times a week, three hours a night to address my compulsive eating and um, eating disorder and my, my, and, uh, you know, they didn't believe that food is an addiction and they didn't treat food as an addiction. Their theory was that it's not what we eat, it's how we eat. And I can tell you that I got in arguments with those therapists and they gave me a lot of great tools for handling life, but they did not give me the tools that I needed to recover from my compulsive eating. And I learned, um, you know, in this program that self-knowledge gets us nowhere. So I got a lot of self-knowledge in that program, but it didn't help me. I also learned that resentment is the number one offender. And when we create our columns for our fourth step, we do them vertically instead of horizontally. And that the reason we do them vertically instead of horizontally is because uh, the goal is not to go back into the emotion of the wrongs or perceived wrongs that others did us, but to take an inventory. So tonight, I'm going to start my fifth step with my sponsor. I'm really excited about that and a little scared about that. Um, I'm going to reveal those last skeletons in the closet that I've held on to for eight years. And um, and I'm starting to develop in a, um, a relationship with a higher power I've never had before. And I'm just so grateful for this program because um, I don't know what I would do without it. And uh, I don't, you know, I'm too young to die and too, too old to keep living the way I was living. And I'm just super grateful to be here. And thank you for letting me know. Thank you, Victoria L. And next we have Lou. And Lou, would you give us your initial of your last name? Yes. Good morning, Penny. Uh, the last initial, first initial of my last name is B as in boy. Lou B. Thank you. And your turn. Thank you. Um, so this is Lou B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Texas, and I'm super glad to be on the line this morning. Thank you, Penny, for your service and for, for hearing me. So um, what I hear in this paragraph is about honesty. And for me, honesty is one of those things that um, my higher power, that my higher power, um, you know, does for me. Uh I feel like my, I believe that my higher power gives me the ability and the and the power um, and the willingness to be honest. You know, I, I've been in therapy, and I, I agree with what the reader of the big book said earlier that you know therapy is a is a fine tool, but that's what it is. It's a tool. My answer is my higher power. My higher power does for me what I can't do for myself, and honesty is one of those things that that really in the beginning my higher power did for me until I learned how to you know, do it myself. Another thing I'll say is that, you know, I can be dishonest with people in the program. I don't have to be in the therapist office to be dishonest. Uh, but um, when I uh, accept the power that my higher power gives me to be honest, my 
you know, great things begin to happen in my life. And I think the last thing I'll say is that, you know, when I have my heroin or alcoholic foods in my system, I'm not able to be honest at all. But, you know, when I'm abstinent, abstinent, then I do have, uh, you know, a, a, a chance to be, to be honest and, um, and honesty, you know, being honest with someone is is the the key that unlocks the door for me that I can walk through um, to the great things that that abstinence and my higher power and this way of life give me. I'm super grateful, super grateful this morning. And uh, again, thanks for calling on me, Penny. And everybody have a great day. Thanks. I pass. Thanks, Lou B. And we're ready to take more names after I tell you where we are. We're reading from page 73, the third paragraph, Psychologists Are Inclined. And again, if you haven't shared in the last couple of days, and you'd, we'd love to hear from you, who would like to share? Bobby Ray. Ray. W. Okay. W from North Dakota. Hold on just a minute. Somebody W and somebody K. Who's the somebody W, please? That's Beth W. Beth? Yes. Beth W. and who, K? Larry. Oh, Larry. Hi, Larry. And there was one for Beth. Vasa O. Susie. Who, C? I've got Vasa O. And who, C? Sue. Sue? S-U-E, yes, Sue. Sue, C. Nancy L. Marge O. Loretta H. Wait a minute. Somebody else. Hold on just a minute, please. Oh, it's so good that everybody wants to share. That's wonderful. Just a little difficult to get everybody. Somebody with the last initial initial of L. Nancy L. Nancy L. All right, I'm going to have to stop there if, if you don't mind. And we'll have Beth W., Larry Vasa Vasa O., Sue C and Nancy L. And so we're going to start with you, Beth W. Beth W. We can't hear you. Can you hear me okay now? Yes, sure can. Good. Good morning. Good morning. This is Beth W. from North Dakota, compulsive overeater recovered today um, and grateful for this new day and all of you on the line. Thanks for calling on me. I, um, I really um, am intrigued by this paragraph because I, too, was one who used lots of um, medical professionals, and um, I'm grateful for every one of them. Um, it was after I came to North Dakota that I, you know, found a new doctor and had some medical issues that I needed care for. And my doctor is pretty holistic in his approach. And he said, you know, I'm concerned about your weight. And um, what, you know, could we take some baby steps? He said, I don't think you're going to need to, you know, I don't think you can change everything all at once. Could you possibly make one meal for yourself at home every week and try and do one 30-minute activity a week? Just that, just that. That's all he asked me to do. And I said, you know what, I could do that. And he said, and, and I'd like you to increase your water. Can you just do those three little baby steps? And I have a health coach that I work with here in my office, 
and maybe she could call you every week or every two weeks and check on your progress and we'll add to that. I'm like, sure, that's good. I can do those things. And I couldn't. I couldn't do those things because cause that wasn't the problem. You know, th- those were not I, – I, I couldn't cook for myself because the, the drive-throughs and the Thai restaurants and, and everything else were so compelling and so compulsive for me that, that that was more overwhelming than cooking. And my life was in such a, a shambles. That, that making my own food that was healthy and, and, and necessary for my livelihood was beyond my ability. And um, so this woman called me, this health coach that worked with this doctor, and she would ask me how things were going, and I would lie to her. Week after week, you know, she would call, and I would say, yeah, I'm drinking my water. Yep, I, I made one meal, and, and maybe I had, but, but it was maybe reheating the food I had purchased the day before, or not. And finally, I stopped taking her calls and she'd send me an email and say, can I call you? And finally, I took her call again one more time. And I said, I can't lie to you anymore. I I just can't do this. And I was a mess. And I said, don't even call because I just am tired of lying. And, And they were so kind. And they just wanted to help me. But I could not tell the truth. And, and, and it wasn't until I found this program and finally started the, telling the truth to somebody and I told that person all of my craziness of how I lived and how I ate and, and, and it wasn't surprising to that person. It was, it was not crazy to them that um, I could start to start to get better. And I go back to that same doctor and, and he says to me, I wish you could talk to all of my patients and tell them your story of transformation. And you know what? I wish I could. Um, and I would be willing to do that because it's one compulsive overeater talking to another that, that's, that, that is how this program works. And um, but he is, a, he is a believer because of watching me change. And, um, and I'm grateful for that. And that's all I have to share today. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Beth W. And next, Larry K. Chicago, Liz. Hey, Penny. How are you? Good morning. Um, yeah, I've met, I've met a few psychologists. I've met a few psychiatrists along the way. Um, they're okay. You know, they mean well. They, they, they try to help. We, we were, you know, as, as they alluded to, we weren't really able to help them because we, you know, we, we really couldn't be honest. Um, I know I couldn't be. Um, you know, the thing is, there's, there's someone on this line today who, who's completely sober, and he or she might even be embarking on step four or step five. And yet, sadly, you know, she may just pick up that first bite before her head hits the pillow tonight. See, I know because that was me. And see, she's got this peculiar mental twist. You know, all the classes that I took uh, many over the many, many years, there was never one about the, the peculiar mental twist, right? There wasn't one either about a spiritual transformation, you know, and... Um, and there was no discussion about the insane idea that wins out that, that the mental state that precedes taking the first bite, 
nothing along those lines. And the big book reminds me that the crux of the problem, despite even being on step five, is the mental state will always, you know, will always proceed sticking our hand into the fire. And that's the crazy aspect, the absurd aspect of this disease. And, and loads of knowledge about ourselves you know, step four was a good beginning. Step five is certainly helpful. Yet all reasons for not eating will be easily pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea that a little little comfort heroin, just a little little bit of food won't burn us this time. And these steps, so psychologists and psychiatrists, they want to help. Dr. Silkworth was a doctor, not an alcoholic, and he wanted to help. And he, oh, he tried to help. And yet he couldn't. So while we're in step five, we're going to get uncomfortable and we're going to be jonesing for something to settle our nerves and boom, a little shiny needle or a little shiny wrapper. What's the difference? Only the desperate will sit with that uncomfortability and continue on with the work while being restless, while being anxious, frustrated, angry. See, this program isn't for the kind of desperate crowd. I saw some of the kind of desperate crowd, the sort of kind of desperate crowd. I see them locally. I saw them in Newark. I did. They are, they're, you know, they're lovely, beautiful, smart, gracious people, and they're dying. Psychologists can't help with that. See, see the, the still suffering compulsive reader shouldn't lose sight of the the foundational belief that the central problem of the compulsive reader is that she has absolutely no effective mental defense against the first bite. There's my time. We must have a complete spiritual transformation in order to get mastery over this disease where we rely on God. With that, I pass. Thanks, Penny. Thanks, Larry Kay. And now, Vasa O, and you're going to be followed by Sue C. Go ahead, Vasa. Thank you. Thank you, Penny, for your service. I'm Vasa Draper, Recovered Compulsive Overeater calling from Florida. So um, I was 41 years old when I came to the program, and this was like 34 years ago. You can figure it out how old I am. But these are the best years of my life, you know, since I came to the program. So I remember when I came um, to the just before I came to the program, I didn't think I was going to see my 40th, 5th birthday. And my mother had passed on because of this disease. We, again, we, we, didn't, we didn't understand about the allergy. I didn't understand about eating disorders. I didn't understand about any of that stuff. I thought food was just, you know, it was accepted in my family. We just ate. But then there was a lot of suffering because of that. So I came. Thank you, God, my higher power. I was led to Overeaters Anonymous, and I learned about the allergy. I learned about eating disorders. I was shocked that food was a drug, and um, I, I was just, I had the gift of desperation. I was just gonna die if I kept on going what I was doing. And yes, my I went to the doctors. You know, I had three children, whatever. You know. And the doctor told me, you know, you could have, you could have gone on a diet. I went to the weight watchers. I was not embarrassed to tell people. I, I was just looking for the solution. Just show me. Tell me what to do. I'm having a problem with this. And again, I was brought to Overdose Anonymous. Thank you, God. I got my abstinence when I found out about the allergy. 
and my sponsor could guide me up to her level. Well, I put the food down, all kinds of stuff was coming up. I was complaining about my husband, complaining about this, complaining. And she said, I cannot guide you. You need to go out for counseling. I can guide you up to my level, but you need to get outside help. And that's what I did. Because in those days, I thought people, it was stigma. People were crazy going to psychiatrists or, or counseling. I had to swallow my pride, and I did go out for counseling. I'm, Never be so more grateful. And I did my fourth and the fifth step with my counselor. And then he said, Vasa, you know, you, he said, you don't need me any longer. You keep going with your program. That is working for you. He almost had to throw me out of there. And I was beginning to get attached, you know. And I grieved the process. He was like my big brother. He was like a father to me. But, um, that's my time. So I left him, and I've continued doing what we're doing, the fourth and the fifth step. I've done it different ways. I've played the big book, and I am keep going. Thank you for letting me share my past. Thank you, Vasa O. And next, we're going to have Sue C., and then she'll be followed by Nancy L. Good morning, Sue. We're not hearing you. Sorry, I was on mute. Um, this is Susie, gratefully recovering from compulsive overeating. And um, I really related to this paragraph. I've been to many, many therapists over the years. And I remember actually going to a life coach. This memory just kind of came back to me um, after hearing this paragraph. Um, that, you know, I wanted to, I wanted all these changes in my life. And at one point in time, the life coach said, I think you need more help than what I can give you. And I was very, very offended. I was like, what is she talking about? I didn't understand. Um, but, you know, over the years that were past that, I did um, go to a lot of different therapists and I would not be honest. And then I would, um, be embarrassed to go back because I wasn't being honest and I would, you know, spend a lot of time just complaining about other people and, you know, airing my resentments. And um, that really did not help me at all. Um, So I'm just really grateful that I have found this program and especially vision, the calls and um, the people on these calls. Um, Everyone's just so helpful. And I thank you for your service. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Susie. And now we have Nancy L. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning. Thank you, Team Thursday. This is Nancy L. Recovered in Arizona. Um, This chapter reminds me of when I went to see my doctor quite a few years ago for my allergies. And um, he was one of my favorites. I really enjoyed this guy. He was so nice. And uh, so he left the examination room to get me a sample of nose spray. But before he he left the room, he wrote something on the top of my chart. And there wasn't any handwriting on this chart. It was just all typing. But as soon as he left, I thought, I wonder what he wrote. And there it was, obese. That's all he wrote, obese. And it could have, the way I took it, the way I felt, he, he could have said, stupid idiot. 
because I was so offended at the word obese. And um, I just sat there and stewed, you know, I mean, of all the nerve, you know, how dare you, blah, 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 in my mind, you know, all the bitterness and the resentment and the fear. And um, so anyway, he came in and smiled and gave me my sample and I thanked him and left, swearing I was never going to see that doctor again. And, um, you know, I, I think, he wanted to help me. And what would have happened had I um, wanted to just be honest with him and say, I noticed that you wrote this on my chart. Is, do, you, do you have some help for me? Can you show me a way out of this? But instead, I just took it as a huge offense and um, created more bitterness in my heart. Um, and I look back now and I, say, I think to myself, it's because I hadn't hit rock bottom yet. I still had another trick up my sleeve that I could do. I didn't need to talk to him about it. Um, you know, it was pride probably and all that stuff. So anyway, thank God for rock bottom because I hit rock bottom, came to OA and, and found out the truth about myself. And I found out the solution. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Nancy L. And we have time for... Three, maybe more, but let's just take three names now for sharing. Who would like to take the rest? Madam. Hold on a minute. Somebody A. Fran from New Jersey. Fran. Fran. Fran A. And I heard Matt M. And who else? Is it Craig? I heard. Yeah. Craig. Yes, Craig, yes. Uh-huh. Craig, okay. And I'm, I may have time for another one. We'll see, but let's take these three first. Fran A, Matt M, and Craig F. Go ahead, Fran, please. Fran A. Please unmute, star one. Can you hear me? I can, yes. Oh, go good. Sorry about that. Hi, this is Fran. It's actually Fran M, as in mother, from New Jersey. Thank you. <clears throat> That's fine. Anyway, um, I came into OA in 1978. I was 24. I couldn't stop binging and starving. Um, I had been anorexic when I was 15, 14. But in those days, we didn't even have the term eating disorder, as I've often shared in these rooms. And I was told by a very mean psychiatrist that he couldn't help me and I should go to OA, this new group that was forming. And I looked at an ad and it talked about God and it had a bunch of fat people in pajamas. I thought, ah, forget this. But I went and my life changed and I've never looked back. Um, I haven't returned to the binge-starve eating that I did back then for most of the last, what, 41 years. And... um, You know, all the women I started out with, a lot of us really, really have been in these rooms for a very long time and have let go of the issue. The program's changed over the years. When I first came in, it was really just about not eating. And if you ate, the reason you ate was not because you didn't work the steps and it wasn't because you were dishonest and it wasn't because you were resentful. It was because you ate. They just left it at that. And We did do the steps, and it was really helpful to see that every time I thought something was wrong with the world, if I 
looked at it in a different way and said, okay, well, what is my issue with this? I realized that um, everything would be different and I could live a better, more comfortable life. And, um, you know, that's it. I mean, I have nothing really more to say. Um, I do eat sugar. I don't think, I think at, at a certain, maybe for the first 10, 15 years, I couldn't touch it. Now I do. I eat everything. Um, as soon as something's, I, I just don't, you know, for me, the restricting doesn't work. Um, and I also, you know, I think about God as a force. Uh, I don't like to talk to God, about God as a man, as I've often said. I, I'm 66 years old next week. I don't want to take orders from a man anymore. To me, God is an impersonal, gender-free source. And um, and I also just am very grateful that the program is something that you never outgrow. It works every day, and it works if you work it. And uh, I know a lot of people envision have a particular point of view about the allergy and about what comes first abstinence or the steps but for me in all my years here and I know about 20 women and men who have over 40 years of or have almost 40 years of abstinence and I'd say we all do it a little bit differently from each other even but you know when it works because your weight stays the same and you're at a healthy weight and you live the program more or less and you're not desperate. Um, when I was 23, before I came into program, I pulled my car over to the side of the road and said, I just can't live doing this anymore. And I just don't do that. that that's just from a long ago past and it's all because of this program. But I just beg that people... Fine, please. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you, friend M. And Matt M. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Penny C. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. from Radio, New Jersey. So part of my story is I'm definitely a chronic relapser. I've been in and out of the rooms over the last 10, 11 years, and I realize that, you know, it takes what it takes, you know. I realize my story is my unique to myself, and I stopped judging myself for how I was and who I am. Um, I believe that I'm meant to be where I am today. I'm working the steps with a sponsor. I'm working on my fourth and fifth step, my fourth step right now. I'm going to be doing my fifth step soon. And right now it feels like I am dieting with group support, but that's because I'm not, I haven't gotten through the steps yet. So I'm just using the rooms right now to try to keep myself um, on, in check because I can't do this myself. I have to do it with other people. This is not meant to be worked on my own because if I worked on my own, my own sick brain cannot fix itself. So I'm very grateful that ever since the convention I've been abstinent, but I've been working the steps one day at a time with the help of my sponsor and with the help of the, my fellows because, this is, again, this is a week program. It's not meant to be done alone in the dark with the lights off. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Abstinence is good news. And Craig F. Hi, Penny. This is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Good morning. Uh, good morning. I always... Uh, Good morning. I always smile when I get when we get to this part. Um, I I have one experience with a with a psychologist or a counselor when I was going through uh, my, a divorce right before I got to OA. Uh, you know, they were, the events are related. Um, we had a minor child. He was in high school, but in Arizona at the time, if you had a minor child, you had to have uh, counseling sessions before they would to see if the marriage could be saved. And my ex-wife wouldn't go to counseling with me. She went on her own. 
she was working on getting the courage to leave. And uh, I, so I had to go on my own, and I went to see this guy, and I talked to him for an hour. I'm sitting there, you know, I weigh over 400 pounds, uh, but I'm sitting there uh, talking to this guy for an hour, and he, he tells me he has 20 years in AA, uh, sober in AA. But anyway, I think I'm doing my normal uh, uh, soft she shuffle, you know, and uh, telling the story my way. And at the end of the hour, he said, here's, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go to Overeaters Anonymous. I want you to go for a year. And he said, when you're ready to be honest with me, he said, come back and see me. And he said, I'll sign off on your counseling so you can get your divorce. And, you know, um, part of my sickness was that uh, I uh, uh, actually contemplated pacing him in the mouth uh, because he just called me a liar. <laughs> I didn't like that, but he was exactly right. I I was, uh, uh, you know, I was wearing a mask, which is a lie, you know, and and my ego wouldn't let you see who I was. And the only thing that he was wrong about was that he was awful op- optimistic about that one year. You know, uh, my I'm stubborn enough, and my pride is in, in ego was large enough that I still struggle at times with wanting to wear a mask and wanting you to see me in the best possible light. And, uh, you know, uh, it is the uh, probably the hallmark of, of my recovery that that, that, uh, that that, you know, here I am 20, what, 29 years later, and, uh, you know, I, I have three years of abstinence because I struggled for so long with not telling the truth with not letting the mask down, without, with not letting the, the curtain down so that anybody else could see behind it. Because I didn't want you to see who I was. I didn't want you to see what I'd done. I wanted you to see the image that I wanted you to, to see. That's my pride. That's my ego. And thank God for the ego-reducing process of these steps. Uh, you know, thank God that, that, uh, that it works if you work it, and uh, that I finally got around to working it. And uh, I'll probably continue to struggle with that, but it gets better all the time. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Craig F. And Craig is going to have to be our last share for this hour. But uh, thank you to everyone who shared. And there will be another meeting. Please join us for that, a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, which is Thursday, December 5th, 2019, is 13763, 13,763. We're now going to close the way we do every meeting with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer, and Lauren N. is going to do that for us. Penny, this is Lauren N. Can you hear me? Sure, sure can. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize, we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and joined us and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.